Welcome to Great Points, financial insights for improving your relationship with money. I'm Matt Schroeder, Certified Financial Planner and Director of Financial Planning at Great Point Wealth Advisors, a fee-only registered investment advisory firm with offices in Boston and Danvers, Massachusetts. Today's episode, we're doing something a little bit special. I'm joined with a live studio audience here at Beverly BNI. Welcome, audience. Today's episode, we're going to talk about things I hear in the barbershop. Um, you know, I one of my favorite things is people watching and just listening to conversations that are going on when they have no clue what I do. Um, think about, you know, let's say you're a coach, Mike Krzyzewski, and you're at a bar and nobody knows who you are. And two people down the bar are just talking about basketball strategy like they know what they're talking about. As coach, you're just thinking, oh, these guys, if they only knew who I was. Uh, they would be just, they'd have the answers. Um, so uh, I'm going to talk about a couple stories I've heard in the barbershop in the last six months. And then I'm going to ask the audience to weigh in on, do they think the the barbers were right or maybe not? So let's jump right into it. Uh, the first one is uh, was, uh, the, the barber was talking to another barber and one of them's um, uh, friends, girlfriends was moving in with her boyfriend. And the, and the girlfriend owned a condo uh, that she had a pretty good mortgage rate on. So as you know, mortgage rates are a little bit higher than they were a couple of years ago. So she had a mortgage rate of 2.99%. So the mortgage payment, let's say, was 1500 bucks, And they both thought she could just turn around and rent the place for $2,300 a month. So they argued that um, they thought she was crazy for selling it. So why wouldn't you just keep the condo, keep paying your mortgage for 1500 bucks, rent it for 2300 and pocket the difference? So question for one for the audience. Is she crazy? Yay's first. Who thinks she's crazy for selling? Yay. Got a couple of yays. Who thinks she's not crazy? Oh, nay. Let's say nays. Give me the nays. All right. So it's kind of a split room. So I listen. I'm like, wow. Well, there's so many other things that go on to it. The first thing I'd want to know as an advisor is say, well, what'd she pay for the place? And then what's it worth now? So doing the math, if you're paying about 1500 bucks on a mortgage at 2.99%, I could justify that she probably got the mortgage about three years ago. So she probably has a mortgage of about $350,000. If you assume she put 20% down, maybe she paid about $420,000 for the house. So that was two or three years ago with a nice house in Revere, a condo in Revere, it probably upticked a little bit. So maybe that house is worth 500,000. So when you think about it, you know, well, we've got a good rate of mortgage. We could profit about eight or nine hundred dollars a month, but there are also some risks that come along with it. So, uh, if we keep the property and we keep it for more than two years, and then we sell it, we lose out on that real the capital gains exemption on the sale of your primary property. So you have a tax component. You also have the risk that, well, yeah, it's worth half a million dollars now, but if markets start to soften, it could be worth less if you try to sell it in a couple of years. Uh, you also are in Massachusetts, which may or may not be the most realist uh, uh, landlord friendly property state. So if you have a tenant with an, uh, a tenant issue that maybe they're not paying rent, you also have to deal with upkeep, maintenance, capital improvements, things like that. So um, when it comes to real estate, just the spread of, hey, I can make more money renting it than I'm paying in my mortgage doesn't mean it's the right thing to keep it because uh for any individual, it might be the right thing if they're trying to build a real estate empire and they're comfortable dealing with tenants and they maybe they're handy enough they could fix things. That might be the right decision for them. But for others, you know, it's easier just to, to take that capital gain. So let's say she could sell it for half a million dollars. She paid three. She owes the bank three hundred fifty thousand. She could take that one hundred fifty thousand dollars and invest it in something. And if that could generate more than that nine hundred dollars a month in in growth, um, maybe not in, in income per se, but in growth returns, that might be the right decision for her. So um, when you listen to different different things, you know everyone's trying to give you advice and everyone's got their own opinions. Ultimately, 
financial planning is about making sure you're doing the right thing for you and asking the right questions. So the second thing I heard was, uh, oh, I've got all my money in the uh, CDs. I've got the best CD rates. So now everyone's out there CD hunting. So you got, you know, hey, I've got 5%. I've, I've cashed in my retirement. I've got it all sitting in 5%. And everyone's, you know, going around the, you know, I've got this rate. I've got this rate. Everyone's got the best CD rates. And, you know, right now CD rates are attractive. So if you look at, you know, if you bought a CD two years ago and the bank offered you 1%, now they're offering you 5%. Um, and that obviously has something to do with inflation and interest rates. Um, but, you know, CDs are for a purpose. So the barber who just moved all his money to CDs and thinks he's uh, a genius because he's getting 5% on his money, for the audience, is the barber a genius? Yay's first. Yay. How about the nays? A couple of nays, a couple of yays. So kind of a mix, it, you know, so when we talk about what's missing, so the, my my brain is always saying, well, what am I missing here? So ultimately the question is time frame. Uh, how long do we need this? When do we need this money for? Um, and then how liquid do we need it? So maybe you bought a three-year CD, but you might need the money in 18 months, or maybe you don't need the money for the next 20 years, depending on when your your, your needs are. You also have to think about the taxation. So CD rates are taxed as interest income versus maybe a stock return is capped as long-term capital gains. So there's different tax implications. Um, ultimately, the concept of CDs versus stocks versus bonds is the idea of a risk, your risk reward premium. So if you think about uh, your CDs or your money markets, you know, that's called your risk-free return. Um, so basically for taking almost zero risk, how much can I get on the money? Three years ago, you were earning 0.1% in your risk return. Uh, and then you have basically an equity return. So if someone says, well, I'm going to I'm gonna take all this risk in my stock portfolio and I'm going to only generate a 6% rate of return versus a CD that could pay me 5%, your risk reward is only 1% that's probably not a lot of reward for taking on a tremendous amount of risk. But historically, the risk premium above and beyond the risk-free amount is about 5%. So if CDs are generating 5% for the next 20 years, the expectation is equities or stocks would generate somewhere between that 9 to 11% annualized over those next 20 years. So when we talk about time frame, CDs are designed for short-term investments that really have to be outside of your risk purview. They're not great 20-year investment returns. So when we think about um, you know risk returns, say, well, no, that's that doesn't make sense. But even if you just took year to date, year to date, if you bought a CD in January that was paying a five percent return versus just keeping maybe your money in the the stock market, which year to date is up about sixteen percent, that's a you know a significant spread. Now it's unlikely it stays there; it'll probably dip back down and then go back up, and that's that's what stock markets do. But you know, ultimately, if you're thinking about CDs as an investment, uh, they're not a great long-term investment strategy. They're a good diversifier; they're a good short-term need. But when you're hearing people talk about it, chasing returns, the follow-up question is: Well, when do I need this money? How long do I have it invested? Is it the right for me? Is it the right for my risk? Is it the right for my time frame? So um, the moral of the story is when it comes to barbershop finance, it's never that simple. When you're you're at a cocktail party and people are talking about, oh, I did this, I did that, I know what I did. You have to have the courage to just listen, maybe laugh at it, uh, but never just take it as, a, hey, that's what I got to do. Ask the right questions. Is this right for me? Is this right for my situation? Is this the right thing for people around me? And then, you know, by asking yourself those questions and maybe having a trusted group of people, whether they're your financial planner or your two or three friends that you will give you honest advice, just have a sounding board that you can run these ideas by uh, to make sure that you're you're making sound decisions for you. Ultimately, the more times you ask the right questions and you kind of repeat this process, your confidence in your money-making decisions and your long-term financial success will start to move up. So, um, 
like I said, there's probably a, a thousand other things I'll hear at the barbershop over over my career, and I can't wait for it. I'm going to probably start getting my hair cut a little more frequently um, until it's all gone, or as I realized yesterday, it's going to be all gray pretty soon, which is unfortunate. So, um, but hopefully you got something out of today's episode, and appreciate you for listening. And, uh, and I want to thank my live studio audience for joining me today. Until next time, I'm Matt Schroeder. Great Points is hosted by Matt Schroeder. Great Point Wealth Advisors is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Securities and Exchange Commission in accordance and compliance with the securities laws and regulations. Great Point Wealth Advisors does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through Great Points. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice.